0: March Madness is less than a month away. And last week, all eyes were on the women's game between Iowa and Michigan. But Sportsnet's Haley McGoldrick says basketball fans weren't just looking at the score. They were watching a player, Caitlin Clark.
1: Kaitlyn Clark is one of those players who can do a little bit of everything. Number four in the country, taking on the Michigan Wolverines. You see her family there. Obviously, she can score, but she can score from pretty much anywhere on the court. She's a great defender as well. She's quick on her feet. She really pressures who she's guarding in the games. She's drawn comparisons to Steph Curry, who is one of the greatest players of our generation. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark.
0: Just a few minutes into the Michigan game's first quarter, Clark darts across the court.
1: How will she go for history?
0: And huffs a three-point shot 35 feet into the net. The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. With that shot, Clark broke the NCAA women's scoring record. At the end of the day, she scored 49 points in her team's win over Michigan. Haley says that shot solidified Clark's status as a bona fide cultural phenomenon.
1: You see the ratings for the game against Nebraska, against Penn State, against Michigan, even when Iowa lost to Ohio State. In overtime, it was the most watched women's basketball game on Fox in their history.
0: For decades, women's basketball has fought for the same recognition and resources as their male counterparts. They weren't even allowed to use the March Madness branding until 2022.
1: And in 2021, the women showed up to their bubble for the tournament because it was 2021. It was still very much High COVID times, and their weight room was just one weight rack, and it was just a curtain on the floor and like one bench. And everybody was looking at this, going, This is the standard you're setting for women's basketball. Whereas the men's team is a completely different standard they were held to. They had full weight rooms. I remember even just the little backpacks they would get for being there. The difference between what the men received and the women received was huge. So now you can't get away with those sorts of things because of the fact that so many people are watching women's basketball.
0: In just three years, viewership for women's college basketball has skyrocketed. The 2023 Women's March Madness Tournament drew 2.2 million average viewers, the most on record for ESPN, and a 43% jump over the year before.
1: Now the NCAA has learned that people want to watch this sport and they're being held to a different standard now because of the fact that the ratings are in the millions, attendances in the hundreds of thousands, and people are coming to watch these games. So you need to treat women with the same respect as you're treating your men's product.
0: Today on the show, the Caitlin Clark effect. I'm Mary C. Curtis in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
0: Can you tell me the Caitlin Clark story? Where does she come from? How long has she been playing basketball?
1: Yeah, so she didn't just come from nowhere. She's always had basketball in her life. She was named Miss Iowa Basketball. She's a Des Moines, Iowa native. So that's why she committed to the University of Iowa. That's kind of her hometown college. She had offers from other big schools, like Notre Dame is a huge women's basketball program, but she wanted to stay close to home. And that was never really a huge women's basketball school before that. They saw the talent she had. She can make or break a game, really. You see teams that will double team or triple team, which defensively double or triple teaming is putting two or three players on another player when realistically you're usually playing one-on-one.
0: There's this great clip online from Clark's high school days when a horde of teenage boys chant overrated at her. And she later ended that game with 42 points. What do you think that that clip says about Clark's competitiveness and what fuels her?
1: First of all, I want to just say I love that clip because you can see quickly how the demeanor of those boys changes. The camera work on that clip is incredible because of the fact they just keep panning back to that group of boys. And they just keep looking sadder and sadder <laughs> due to the fact that Caitlin Clark keeps going off. But she's definitely competitive. That's the thing. She's very humble, but on the court. You don't want to be facing Caitlin Clark. She is going for blood every single time. Even in the game where she was eight points shy of breaking the record, she only needed eight to break the scoring record and then she dropped 49. Clark's
0: record-breaking night was so thrilling that NBA commentators were talking about it. Hey, history tonight, Caitlin Clark. Oh no, she did Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, no, she did. Hey, she needed eight to break the record, scored the first eight points. Scored 49, 49 on the night, night. 49. 49. 49. That's a heat check right there. 49. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal even jumped in to inscribe her into the history
1: books. I, I'm going to go on record say she's the best female collegiate player ever. Ever? Well, I ever. don't know about you. Yeah, you yeah, ever. Ever. Miller? ever. Maya Moore. Yeah, I said so what I said. Ever. Diana Tarasso. How
0: has Clark's performance impacted her sport at the University of Iowa? As you said, they're getting people, they're certainly getting eyes.
1: Yeah, viewership has been incredible. Attendance has been incredible. You even see before when she was uh, the game where she broke the record, there were tickets being sold for nearly $10,000 courtside. I think you're seeing millions of people viewing Iowa basketball, not just women's basketball, but Iowa basketball specifically, drawing nearly 2 million viewers against Penn State, against Nebraska, Michigan as well.
0: Clark may be one of the NCAA's most popular players, but she's had to navigate her share of controversy. Last year, Clark made a teasing gesture when her team won its game in the Final Four. Waving her open hand in front of her face, she said, you can't see me mid-game, suggesting she was moving so fast her opponent couldn't anticipate what was coming. In the national championship, another player, LSU's Angel Reese, made a similar gesture at Clark and faced a days-long social media firestorm for doing so.
1: A lot of people liked it when Caitlin Clark did the You Can't See Me motion, but then they didn't like when Angel Reese did it back in her face. And a lot of people were saying, is it because it's okay when a white woman does it, but when a black woman does it, it's not okay.
0: We all know that there's a white-black issue here. Because the fact of the matter is when Caitlin did it, people were celebrating it and they were talking about nothing but her greatness. But then the second a sister stepped up and threw it back in her face. Now you got half the basketball world saying, Well, you know what? That's not that's not uh, the classiest thing to do. Yeah. That's not
1: the way. Both of the women we- spoke out afterwards and they had nothing but respect for each other, which I think is the biggest thing that nobody really took either of their stories or their perspectives from it when they first started talking about it. This is kind of a time where it women's basketball was starting to first hit its stride and hit its peak. And a lot of people were just so quick to dismiss Angel Reese when realistically both players had respect for each other.
0: A lot of people pointed out on social media that the backlash did seem racist because a lot of folks called Reese classless, use those stereotypical descriptions, Uh, even as you say that Caitlin Clark didn't buy into it. But the whole fiasco kind of exposed this racist double standard among basketball fans and viewers. And it also made me wonder if all of this success for Caitlin Clark, while earned, would have come to a Black player in her shoes.
1: No, that's definitely a fair point to make. And you think of it too, you look at the WNBA, that's a league of 80% Black women. Black women have been the backbone. They have grown women's basketball. We would not be where we are today without black women in basketball. And I think that really exposed it as well. Like Angel Reese worked so hard to be where she is. She deserved that moment. LSU deserved that title. She was having a little fun with it because she saw what Caitlin did. I think that's the biggest thing too, is that she didn't really do that unprompted. She had seen what Caitlin had did the game before and kind of was like, okay, well, you can't see me. You can see this ring though type thing.
0: You have to acknowledge though, that Clark is idolized by many fans, particularly young girls. If you tune into an Iowa game, you'll see a whole bunch of kids wearing jerseys with Clark's number on them. Why do you think this fandom built around Caitlin Clark is important? And is it different from the fandoms you've seen around other players?
1: I think it's just really big because I think this is the first time really where I've especially heard men talking about it a lot. My best friend her fiance he sent me a picture once that they were at a boys weekend and they had a caitlin clark jersey hanging up on their ceiling at their boys weekend and i was like i feel like i've never seen that before in my lifetime. I feel like for me, especially growing up, you could barely watch women's college basketball. It was barely on TV. And now you can watch every game available. There was women's college game day on on Sunday morning and I got to watch it with my dad. It's just the way that she's really opened doors and opened eyes to women's college basketball I think is what's made her such a great role model and really grown the game.
0: After the break, Clark's impact is more than just representational. It's also financially lucrative. Now I want to consider the Caitlin Clark effect and its financial impact. Let's start with Clark personally. She's making money in a big way through those name, image and likeness deals, right? Yes. Do we have any sense of just how much money she's making? And what are some of the biggest deals?
1: I don't know the exact numbers of what the money she's making, but like I said, she's got deals with Gatorade, Nike. She's got these huge names. It's not just little tiny deals. I know when NIL first started that you would see little local restaurants or local car dealerships working with these athletes, but she's working with some of the biggest brands in the entire world. I'm still that girl from Iowa, but now it's my turn to inspire
0: if I can drop 40, you can drop 50. If, if we can, can draw 56,000 fans, 000. you can draw 57.
1: If I can sign with Gatorade, you can too. And I think that she's definitely making thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on these deals.
0: It's important to note that there are very lucrative TV deals for broadcasting NCAA women's basketball. And they only become more valuable when stars like Clark draw in the viewers. Do you have a sense of how much bigger these deals could be in the next few years?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is that with TV deals, you've seen a lot of times, like I said before, it was even hard for anyone to watch women's college basketball. And it was difficult to find it on certain channels. Sometimes it would be on like ESPN 4, ESPN 5. It's very hard to find. Now, people are going to be fighting for those rights. Fox was seeing their ratings so huge with women's college basketball because of the fact people were tuning in to watch Caitlin Clark. And ESPN has deals with women's college basketball. They have women's college game day. They've got a panel of all female analysts, which I think is incredible as well. And now they're going to not only get the limelight for those big marquee matchups, but also just random games as well, because people know that people want to watch women's basketball.
0: Well, I want to ask about that. Do you think viewers will stick around even after Clark moves from the college play to the WNBA?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is when you become a fan of a college team, you stick with that team for a while. You become a fan of other players on that team and you want to stick around to watch the rest of their career because as much as Caitlin Clark may leave people have realized the competitiveness of women's college basketball they got into the sport maybe through Caitlin Clark but she's not the whole reason that they're going to stay and I think that's the biggest thing too is that they might find other players and other reasons to love the game and they're not just going to walk away just because she's graduated
0: once you're hooked you're hooked exactly We mentioned earlier that the NCAA only allowed women's college basketball to use the March Madness branding pretty recently. What does an official change like that communicate about the profitability of women's basketball?
1: It just goes to show that they're on the same level and that women's basketball is continuing to grow and it is bringing in millions of viewers and it's going to bring in hundreds of thousands in ticket sales as well and you can continue to profit off of it. And so now that it's getting that respect, it's showing, OK, now we're actually called Women's March Madness. It goes to show that eyes are on the sport. You better have the standards set just as high. and. It will result in higher TV deals because people are tuning in, because people are showing up. I'm really actually incredibly excited to see what the attendance numbers are for this year's, fi- the tournament in general, but especially the final four championship. Especially if I was there, I think people want to watch Kaitlin Clark take her one last dance.
0: In the excitement of Clark's record-breaking game last week... Basketball fans were quick to point out that there should perhaps be an asterisk next to this bit of history because two black players, Lynette Woodard and Pearl Moore, hold records higher than Caitlin Clark's record. But they played in the 1970s and 80s before the NCAA recognized female college sports.
1: It really goes to show how wording is important. It's the same way as when a men's player will break a record or a men's player will do something that a woman's player has done. But you see social media outlets say, the first player, and it's like, well, no, he's not the first player. He's the first men's player. And I think that's the same way with Caitlin. She is the highest scoring NCAA women's basketball player. But if you look at the history, you're not forgetting about Lynette and Pearl, knowing that they probably didn't get their flowers for what they did in their time playing basketball. But now they're getting a little bit more of that respect and that recognition, which I think is huge.
0: In in Black History Month.
1: (laughs) Yes, that too. So what's next for Caitlin Clark? I think that first and foremost, winning a national title is what she wants to do. That's everything to her because she's put so much of her time and effort into the University of Iowa. And this was her hometown college. And I think she would feel like a little part of her is missing if she doesn't bring a national title to Iowa, even though when she came to Iowa, it really wasn't a huge women's basketball school. And I think number one, winning that title is everything to her. But then after that, having a long, fantastic WNBA career, I can't see why she wouldn't want to go. She, if she has her reasoning, that's up to her, but she's such a phenomenal player and would definitely be that number one overall pick. So I think that's what's next for her. But she, she's somebody who she, I feel like she's, built her own path through her entire career. So it'll be interesting to see what she does next.
0: It must be something to be that young and to know you've changed the game.
1: I think that she has handled it so well and also knows while she has all this pressure and the weight of the world on her shoulders that she can do good with it in the world and grow women's basketball and help out young women in basketball and open doors. She's taken her individual success and gone, how can I leave the game better than I found it?
0: Thank you, Haley McGoldrick, for coming on What Next.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mary. It's been lovely.
0: Haley McGoldrick is an associate editor at Sportsnet. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate+. Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, and Madeline Ducharum. We're led by Alicia Montgomery, with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richman is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary C. Curtis, columnist at Roll Call and host of its Equal Time podcast. Find me on Twitter at mcurtisnc3. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.